0: In the last few years, I have been part of more exhibitions than I have in my entire life. And what's really interesting as well is that I feel like NFTs have given me like a little bit of like a backdoor entry into the gallery world as well, because a lot of galleries, if not a lot of galleries, there's very few, but some galleries have this little bit of like, oh, NFTs are something. Maybe we should get on the bandwagon. Maybe we should try something out. Um, And some galleries are experimenting a little bit or are just kind of curious and are interested in doing exhibitions around that theme. But because there's so few NFT artists, you're not held up to the same kind of rigor You know, they don't look at your CV and like, oh, you haven't done 10 solo shows in the last year, so you can't come, right? So you're given a different kind of standard.
1: Hello and welcome to the People of Web3 podcast, where we talk to creators, builders, and thought leaders in the Web3 space. We explore and unpack ideas, values, and strategies that hopefully can help all of us navigate this Web3 movement with a bit more purpose and clarity. If this sounds interesting to you, then feel free to subscribe. But other than that, please enjoy the episode.
2: Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the People of Web3 Podcast. We're your hosts, Frank and Blaine. And today we have Rebecca joining us. Um, Thank you for coming. And Rebecca and I met in person at the end of uh, 2022, I think December when I was hosting a, an event in Berlin and she was the um, moderator and speaker for her whole NFT Club Berlin community to the events. Um, so yeah, welcome, Rebecca. Nice to see you.
0: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
2: Cool. Um, I want to dive straight into NFT Club Berlin. Actually, can you tell us a little bit about, um, well, I guess before Web3, what you were doing, and then how did you get into Web3? And then what led you into building NFT Club Berlin?
0: Oh, right. Well, um, I come from an art background. I studied fine art, and I just continued to study and continued to study. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an artist, it's, it's quite a challenge to pay bills. So I worked as a tattoo artist for about 15 years, Um, I'm in (laughs) semi-retirement. But I ended up basically through all my studies with a PhD in anthropology, art, and Buddhism. And through my anthropological studies, it's it's very community-focused. So understanding how communities function and how they communicate, how they use art to communicate, especially. Um, And after I finished my PhD, I was like, I really... I really need a break from academia. It's a really cutthroat kind of system and it's not, I was a little bit burnt out and I just, I really wanted to get back to my art. So I got into live streaming. Actually, I got really hardcore onto Twitch. I ended up streaming for like 2000 plus hours. Uh, My art, like I would stream my art process so people could see what I was painting. I'm a traditional artist. So um, it's a very kind of niche bubble in in Twitch. Um, And so I started that, I think, 2019 or so before the pandemic hit and then everything shut down anyways. So, you know, I could just focus on my art and streaming and then in 2021, I was asked to be the lead artist on an NFT project. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. And I had <laughs> heard some questionable things about NFTs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's my nature to research things and try to keep an open mind and focus on, okay, what does the data say? What is actually the truth about this? What is? How do I divorce this from the sort of the noise that the media is is talking about and what's actually happening behind the scenes if I make an effort to, to learn a little more about it. Um. And so I, yeah, I was on this team. I was the, the lead artist and uh, nobody else was doing any work. So I really dove in and I had my research hat on as I do. And I was like, okay, how are we going to make this project successful? What are the marketing strategies? What is the NFT ecosystem? What, what is this all about? And so I got really curious and really kind of into, I fell down the rabbit hole as one does. And uh, long story short, the project rugged me really hard. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I did all the art. everything was like I thought I thought it could have been really successful, actually. It had they had a pretty like solid idea. They had like some really good partnerships with the uh, museums and uh, and different organizations. Um, um. but long story short, they rugged. But I was already so deeply into the world of Web3 and understanding how revolutionary it is for artists in particular, that Mm -hmm. digital asset ownership was, for me, absolutely mind-blowing. And the fact that there was Mm -hmm. royalties involved that made an artist's career more sustainable, you have direct ownership of your artwork, you have direct communication and relationships with your collectors, rather than just giving your artwork away to a gallery... And kind of also removing all the the high barrier of entry into the gallery world as well, Mm -hmm. because unless you're somebody from a certain socioeconomic status and you have the right connections, you don't get into the gallery world. So for me, it was it was a real eye opener of a new system that was giving so much new opportunity and potential to artists that I'm like, okay, this is my home now. (laughs) And uh, so yeah, and then into two thousand twenty one to finish the the question. Um, two thousand twenty one, I co-founded the NFT Club Berlin, and then we started doing more collaborations with Solana as well. And then the beginning of this year, I officially started working for Solana, and co-founded the Solana Super Team Germany, and now we are here.
1: <laughs> and now we are here. You, yes. you you mentioned um, the rabbit hole. you kind of fell into that oh. that rabbit hole. You kind of probably touched on what kind of started that process, but what was the thing that kind of led you down that that rabbit hole? Was it the the, the ownership, the kind of the unique artist opportunities that could exist in web 3 and not in web two? like what what was that kind of thing that kind of you fell through that rabbit hole after kind of discovering web 3?
0: I think it was maybe the whole package of it. The you whole know, package. the mm. yeah, the fact that it wasn't just one thing. Um, so there wasn't just one thing to hold on to. It wasn't just royalties and it wasn't just ownership, and it wasn't just uh the fact that the galleries weren't taking 50%. Um mm. also a really big part of it too was the community aspect. Um, I've always been very kind of isolated with my art and always, you know, just kind of in my my own little bubble and getting into the NFT world was the first time that I really kind of got involved a lot deeper with artist communities, which is very supportive and very uplifting. So that was also part of the the stickiness of it. Um, And yeah, kind of like I I mentioned, I'm I'm a very avid learner and it it showed me this entirely new field of knowledge that I didn't know anything about and a new opportunity to really grow and challenge myself. And so um, yeah I think that's, that's that's the main the main so points. much
2: so much I want to dive into <laughs> way more than I thought. I didn't even know you started the working for Solana officially. Mm-hmm. I started yes. on Twitter um, recently like before our, our call. I saw the, what was it called? Super.
0: Super team. Yes. Super team. I wanted to
2: ask you about it, but oh, I didn't know it's official Solana. So your Mm -hmm. official Solana staff now.
0: Yes, exactly. Since the beginning of the year and um, super team is basically like the global outreach a um, branch of Solana Foundation. So we kind of there's different super teams around the world. There's India, Vietnam, Turkey, Mexico, um UK just launched as well. And so we're really just here to help build and support the ecosystem. So we're able to give out grants, we do sort of like co-working spaces, we do events. Our our mission is just to really bring people together and give them the opportunities um, that they might not have otherwise and give them support and funding or guidance. We're doing like creator onboarding events as well to teach artists how to use a wallet. What is security you know, and what not to do with your seed phrase, how to mint stuff. Um, and so that's sort of the, the role that the super team has. And then within that, I am focused specifically on building up the creator ecosystem.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Can
1: mm-hmm. you mention... Pre- yeah, you go, brother. No, <laughs> no, no I there's...
2: was trying to...
0: <laughs> I feel so many questions Bruce.
2: I know. <laughs> I say, you go. No, no, you go. All right, I'll go. Um, well, you mentioned that as an artist, you were you were um delighted to find out about the whole artist community within the Web three mm-hmm. space. That how. You know we can utilize NFTs to connect with collectors and fellow artists, and that aspect really didn't happen in like Web two, right? Because a mm-hmm. lot of the artists that I talked to, they usually just kind of stay in their studios, stay in their their home, and do create their art. But they don't really reach out to other artists, mm-hmm. um, let alone like artists from other disciplines, um, outside of theirs, and even like collectors. You know they yes, they want collectors to purchase their art, but they don't really have any connections with anyone who are mm-hmm. potential collectors. They don't really do anything with communities. Um, I mean, most of them that I talk to, like they don't even do much on social media to build the personal brand online. Mm-hmm. So when you step into the empty space, um, did you feel like there were a lot of artists who were willing to put in the effort to build the community. Mm. Um, did they did they put the effort because they got into NFT, or were these people who were always active, but NFT just kind of provided a platform for all of these individuals to gather?
0: I think it's a real mixture, um, and things are also very different than they were, you know, a year and a half ago. For example. So the motivations also can change and the the reasons for people getting interested can also change. And speaking about, like I say, about a year and a half ago, a year ago, I think it was a real mix of those two factors of people that were like, oh, wow, I can actually create art and potentially have financial gain. Because, you know, you heard about all these stories of all these people that were just swimming in money and like finally making their art dreams come true which also brought in a lot of people that didn't have any kind of art background they were just kind of interested in the financial aspect of it and as time went on as the crypto winter got colder (laughs) as the bear market got more bearish um there has been a huge shift in the amount of people that have been engaged uh, with uh, all of our communities or even when we do calls for artists and the just the number of people that just don't have active Twitter accounts anymore, for example. And that does play a really big role because a lot of people it's it's a real challenge to to have that resolve to really stick with it. And there are some people that get really deeply involved with the communities and that really, really helps. I think most people that I know that are are still really active, they have really meaningful connections with a lot of the other artists and collectors and communities, um, which makes it a lot easier to kind of withstand this long kind of hard period. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also shows that the people that are getting involved now are doing it for slightly different reasons, right? I don't think there's that many people that are getting involved with NFTs right now because they see a quick buck to be made, right? Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more into it for the the theoretical side of, okay, it's decentralized and there's digital asset ownership is really incredible. And they believe more in the ethos of it. Um, or out of curiosity, or they see sort of this longer-term future. Um, but yes, to, to answer the question, I think it it has it has really changed, and I think that's some of the interest of the different kinds of creators that are now entering the ecosystem versus a year and a half ago. Hmm.
1: Okay, that's 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 interesting. Oh, just real quick on that one, you you kind of find that. In these different cycles, you have the the bull market, the the bear market. The different in these different cycles, it attracts different sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens with the builders, investors, and also the the creators. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of quite interesting that that applies everywhere. I yeah. I had one question on because you obviously interact with a lot of different artists, both in the in the bull market and now in the bear market. What are some of the things that artists don't like about Web3? Like I'm obviously biased. I come from a creative background. I I kind of see a lot of positives, but what are some of the things that turn off, uh, you know, a lot of creatives when you bring up the word NFT or or Web3?
0: I think it's, it's really the preconceived notions of what it is. The more people learn about it, the more interested and curious they often get. The biggest hurdle is this preconceived notion that it's an environmentally unfriendly. That crypto is just made out of like crypto bros, just like twenty-year-old <laughs> gen guys uh, flipping JPEGs. Um, there's, yeah, I, it's just misinformation, especially about the um, the art ecosystem. When people hear NFTs, they think of apes and PFP projects and it's, it's getting over this first hurdle of education and, and misinformation because to understand, okay, what, how, what does this actually mean? What is this? How does this work? It is complex. Um, Mm -hmm. And there is a certain amount of patience and open-mindedness that you need to have in order to overcome those preconceived notions. And also on top of it, understand the technical side of it which does not come naturally to a lot of artists myself included i was a real struggle <laughs> so that's also why i i do these kinds of onboarding workshops for artists cuz i know how hard it was for me without any real support and there was no nobody i could really ask for help um so being able to provide that is something that i i wish i would have had <laughs> so um, trying to make it a little bit easier as a, a barrier to entry. Um, but besides that, I think the general bubbles of that it can be a little bit crypto broy and that mm-hmm. there is a side of the NFT flippers um, can can turn people off. But once they understand that there's a different side of it, um usually it, it changes their perspectives from my experience anyways.
2: Mm. One
0: last question
2: um, for me is uh, how many people are there in the NFT Club Berlin again?
0: We don't have like a set way to measure membership. Mm. It's an open community. So anybody can join. Anybody can come to our events. Um, with Through all of our social media, we have, I don't know, 10, 15k people probably. Um, I think even just on Meetup it's three, three something k. Um, so we have a pretty wide network, and it's a real mixture of professionals or degens, or artists, and people that are just really curious. They're just looking for you know some some information, and other people that are really hardcore, full time Web three. Um, and of course, it fluctuates with the market, or how busy people are, or how much how uh, many resources I myself have to put on events. Um, so yeah, that's that's very vague, but it also is fluctuated. It is a little bit hard to track. Hmm.
1: Cool. You you kind of touch. I was gonna say I love
2: the community that a lot of artists in the. NFT Club Berlin because mm-hmm. last time when we did the events in Berlin, it was like all artists.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
2: like traditional artists who's only f- uh, heard about NFTs for the first time. We have mm-hmm. some who kind of curious and still learning, and then we have some who have minted artwork, sold some artwork, and it was a nice mix. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the atmosphere from your community.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that event that we did together was very art focused. We did like an art panel. So everybody on the panel was artists or somehow really deeply engaged with um, NFT art. And so it, it, Each of the events also draw out a certain kind of demographic from the club as well. So that one was definitely very art focused. And we do, because my background is is in art, uh, typically a lot of the events are more art focused or doing exhibitions and things like that. So, but it it really depends if it's a very general mixer or more of a general education or panel or something like that, then the demographic is a little bit different.
1: Cool. Hmm. On on the, the NFT Club Berlin and, and I guess starting that community, I think you touched on it earlier on, but what was the reason for starting it kind of in the first place? And for listeners who are maybe new to Web3 or have been in Web3 for a while and are thinking of maybe starting a community, in what situation would it make sense to maybe start their own community versus um, you know, maybe just finding one that already exists like what was that reason for you starting one and, and maybe um give some tips for someone who's thinking of starting their own or or joining one that's probably a lot of different questions than one but i hope no, you know It's i like it. it's like
0: <laughs> it. um very basically nothing existed in berlin that had anything to do with nfts and so there was just a recognition that there wasn't there wasn't any meetup mm. or any group where people could get together and have this joined interest together. Um, so that was, that was basically. It was pretty so there basic.
1: wasn't anyone, there wasn't anyone to join anyway. So. If
0: no, exactly. You are kind
1: of forced to start one yourself.
0: Exactly. And it started as just a very simple meetup page, just like meeting up at a bar, meeting up at just like a location. And it started with like 10, 20 people. Um, and within a few months we were doing events with hundreds of people and it's, um, the, the scene in Berlin also grew exponentially at that time. And we could see that there was a lot of sort of fractionalization that there's, you know, a lot of people really enjoy creating their own projects and and just kind of doing their own thing, which I think is also valuable and, you know, everybody should create what they want to create. Um, and I also recognize that we, as a community, can be stronger when we work together. And it's much more my ethos to be more collaborative than competitive. So NFT Club Berlin was a very like open umbrella, like. I've always been really happy to collaborate with most anybody that is on kind of the same wavelength as us and has the same ideals and isn't just interested in in shilling a project or product or trying to sell something in a kind of questionable way. Um, we're a nonprofit and we've never sold anything. And it's important for me to keep the community very neutral in that sense. We don't want to exploit them in any kind of way. We don't want to like, I don't feel like I, I don't enjoy the feeling of, being sold things, (laughs) so I wouldn't wanna do that to my community as well. Um, But I did notice that there was this kind of fractionalization and um, I think it has potentially negatively impacted Berlin as a larger ecosystem. And for people that are interested in starting their own community or starting a community, I think it is really valuable to first look at the ecosystem where you are located. and kind of assess, okay, what what is already going on? What can I maybe contribute to? Because there are, being a a organizer or leader of a, a nonprofit community can be a real challenge and there are often not enough people or helping hands. And so kind of helping bolster and move projects forward that are potentially already established, I think is also something that doesn't get enough attention or thought. Um, and so I think it's it's important to look at the larger ecosystem of where you are and what kind of um longer-term impact you'd like to have. Because when we look at Berlin, we think Berlin, and similar to Lisbon as well, has potential and already is actually one of the main centers of Web3 in Europe. And yet we in some senses we feel like we're losing that grip a little bit because it has become so um divided and people are just kind of doing their own thing they're like no i want this to be my project and people are like oh no but i want to do this thing um and i think returning to the spirit of web3 as a very cooperative and very collaborative um kind of open exchange is really important but it also means people have to overcome some of their own <laughs> ego and their own shortcomings potentially and make the effort to work together rather than just you know, doing often what we typically do is just doing something for ourselves and for our own profits. So that's my answer for that one. Mm,
1: Interesting. Interesting.
2: I always wonder if it's possible to gather these organizers in that in the location and just have a discussion about what do we each want to do Mm. and kind of have an agreement like Mm-hmm. from organizer to organizer rather than being so separated and then kind of guessing and assuming what other people are thinking, what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I wonder if anyone has tried that and if it works.
0: <laughs> exactly. that's that's uh part of the the challenge too. And I mean, people have their different organizations for different reasons, too, right? Um, some are based entirely around a specific um, business model or NFT project. And so it's important for them to create revenue and focus on the the business aspect of it. Um, which doesn't always necessarily mesh with a project that is trying to be open for everybody and isn't, you know, trying to push one thing in particular. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it, it's it's normal that there's going to be a, a wide array of differences. But I think if there is the potential to find somebody that is doing something similar to what you want to achieve. Um, I've also, I recently had this as well, that, Um, there is a longtime community member um, from NFT Club, and he was recently thinking about making his own NFT art community. And then he's like, well, actually, wait a second. Like, this already exists. Like, why don't I just get in touch and and see if we can do something together? And now he's starting to head a bunch of different initiatives for NFT Club. And so it's kind of like a win-win that he doesn't need to start from scratch. And I also get the you know somebody that's bringing new life and new interest and and support so i think that kind of relationship is is really valuable and sometimes also a little underrated for people you know
2: Mm, i agree yeah it's it's very difficult to start from scratch
0: Mm -hmm.
2: especially if there are already other communities happening Mm -hmm. and during this time of the market very difficult and i think Organizing events, that's also kinda underappreciated being an event organizer. There's so much work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um I've only learned it after hosting some events. <laughs> it's a lot.
0: I know, uh, and you were doing things so last minute sometimes too. They're like, Okay, now I'm in Berlin. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow. Okay, but hey, you pulled it off. You made it happen.
2: I mean because you of you. Your schedule
1: last year was crazy. Like he was Frank was in Bali, and then we we're like, oh, what are you up to next week? He's like, Oh, I'm going to like France and then England and then Germany. I'm like, what? I what know. The hell? It was, I don't recommend it,
2: but um yeah, hey, for, you made it happen. I, yeah, it forced me to make it happen. And some events, you know, bigger turnout than others, but mm-hmm. um generally speaking, everyone who came really enjoyed it. Um, cause also I'm not like shilling any project unless I wasn't selling anything, yeah. but yeah. So now all these connections that I made, I can kind of have deeper conversations with mm-hmm. you guys through this podcast and over time, you know, people are also doing more interesting things and I don't know, just, it's really cool. I, it's really worth it, but mm. it's, it was so exhausting. Um,
0: absolutely. Uh, even just the I learning even- experience right? Even just going through that process and growing so much in such a short amount of time, because you are kind of in a pressure cooker, like mm-hmm. it is challenging, but all of those experiences propelled you to where you are now. And, and so much of it is really about the connections that you have and the people that you know, and the opportunities that grow from that, right? So it's, yeah, you get to now enjoy the the after effects of all that hard work. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that laugh Uh, wasn't very convincing, Frank. I
2: just be living like like last year. Like for those listening, uh, just for context, like last year, within two months, I would I did events um, with my like art uh, community brand um, in six different countries within two months. Like a lot of them is back to back. I literally land you know, in Destiny for one week and within that week I have to pull everything together, get venue, get collaborations, get the community, speakers, posters, marketing, mm-hmm. and then doing one event. And I couldn't enjoy any like touristy things while I'm there because I'm just in my hotel the whole time.
0: <laughs> exactly. And, yeah.
2: But yeah, it, it was so intense, but I'm, I'm really grateful. I made that decisions to push myself to do it. I'm um, going to meet a lot of cool people, for example, Rebecca. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, since you're an artist, and I'm also an artist, and Blaine is very much in the art space. Um, I'm always curious to listen to other artists, how they kind of stepped into, you know, making the decision of, okay, I'm going to do art, as part of my career. And how's that going previous to Web3? And then now that you're in Web3 for a couple of years, seeing all, all these new potentials, um, has it made it an impact for you to kind of, at least for me, like now more than ever, it seems like being a full-time artist, is more practical and more sustainable potentially. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's still a lot of work to put in and a lot of things to improve, but. Mm -hmm. compared to like before a couple years ago you know it's way 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 more um, practical so I want to see your feelings your thoughts and what do you think the future is going to hold for those who are looking to become a full-time artist
0: yeah absolutely I mean I had the goal of being an artist ever since I could hold a pencil (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I I was sent to painting classes instead of soccer or whatever because that's all I wanted to do. Um, it's never been an, an choice or an option for me. It's just sort of somehow embedded in in this human experience that I'm currently in. And um, trying to find like I like I kind of mentioned, like I tried a whole bunch of different avenues to kind of make it sustainable through tattooing and streaming or commissions, design, selling my prints, like all this kind of stuff. Um, Cause getting into galleries was, the gatekeeping was always so extreme. And I, I never felt like I, I fit into that world and I don't come from the right mm-hmm. social class as well to like be able to fake. <laughs> <laughs> to think that I could belong there. Um, and so for me, it's, yeah, Web3 really opened up a lot of potential, I think is, is the main word that I, I saw that there was this new avenue that where I could potentially support myself. And in the last few years, I have been part of more exhibitions than I have in my entire life. And what's really interesting as well is that I feel like NFTs have given me like a little bit of like a backdoor entry into the gallery world as well, because a lot of galleries, not a lot of galleries, there's very few, but some galleries um, have this little bit of like, oh, NFTs are something. Maybe we should get on the bandwagon. Maybe we should try something out. Um and some galleries are experimenting a little bit or are just kind of curious and are interested in doing exhibitions around that theme. But because there's so few NFT artists, you don't, you're not held up to the same kind of rigor. You know, they don't look at your CV and like, oh, you haven't done 10 solo shows in the last year. So you can't come, right? So you, you you're given a different kind of standard, which allows a lot more access and a lot more. Um, kind of like preferential treatment if you haven't um, gone through that really traditional path of grinding at a, out at galleries and, and getting to know all the big wig curators and everything like that. And so even just my exhibitions that have happened um, in the last two years in IRL galleries, it's it's happened all because of NFTs. It's It's kind of given me a new way to show my art, but also uplift other artists in our ecosystem and bring some kind of new art into the galleries as well. Because previously, there was no way to exhibit animation or 3D art or digital painting or any of these digital native artworks. And so now that it's starting to slowly, very, very slowly be a little bit of a topic that some galleries are kind of curious about. Um, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for those of us that don't come from that kind of background. So I think that is one of the opportunities that's been really interesting and kind of joining the traditional and nft worlds for me is really interesting because the traditional art world hasn't changed in hundreds of years and this is the most revolutionary and challenging thing that can happen to to this sort of establishment you know so i think that has been a really big, um, feature that I wasn't expecting, uh, at all for my, for my own art or to see kind of as a, as a trend as well. Um, in terms of just the, the community involvement and feeling like I have potential to, yeah, make a a really positive impact in our, in our art community for me is what's really exciting and inspiring. And so, I like I do balance my time between my art and working for Solana super team and also NFT club, which is a little bit quiet at the moment because I'm not doing so many events um, for NFT club. But, you know, finding this balance and recognizing that it's especially in the market conditions, going into full full time artist isn't necessarily always the wisest choice. and taking it a little bit as a longer term approach, because our ecosystem is so young. And to really kind of understand, okay, we're building this kind of foundation for the future and not to run into just like leap into something that maybe isn't um, quite sustainable quite yet. But because of the systems that are put in place, like royalties, for example, um, I can imagine that NFTs will be much more sustainable for artists that want to make a full time living at it, um, compared to always having to chase that one art sale. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like it's not fully ready for people to become full time artists just because we're into Web three mm-hmm. and NFTs. But you brought up a great point about um, leveraging the the NFT opportunity as kind of a backdoor to mainstream traditional Mm -hmm. galleries, because some of them, they are curious and they start to collaborate with NFT artists just because, you know, they can use that NFT Mm -hmm. buzzword, uh, even though some might not have any clue about it. But it it does bring in new opportunities for artists Mm -hmm. who couldn't traditionally get into galleries. And then there are some galleries who are new, they um, focus just on digital art. So they have only digital screens and they they are always looking for digital artists, NFT artists specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a lot more opportunities mm-hmm. um, for those of us uh, who, who couldn't get in before to leverage this opportunity. It's, it's not gonna be here forever. Um, so take advantage while the competition is still not too high. <laughs> um, but I feel like if you bring yourself in now, eventually you can, um, when the more galleries, uh, Kind of put Web three NFT artists and traditional artists together. You kind of um, get into the galleries with the traditional art, mm-hmm. kind of blending them as well later on.
0: Yeah,
1: so exciting. So it was interesting when you said CV from the perspective of an artist, because that's not probably something you'd normally uh, associate with, I guess, uh, artists or, or or art. But the idea around the gatekeeping. So mm-hmm. they often require this kind of CV of, okay, Absolutely. show me your evidence of X, Y, Z. If you don't fit that criteria, then you, you can't enter into this uh, exclusive club. That gatekeeping aspect yeah. is obviously something that most people in Web3 don't, don't like um, for good reason, because uh, it kind of restricts a lot of access to certain things of certain mm-hmm. opportunities um yes yeah, so I, I just wanted to kind of touch on that thing because that's was kind of interesting like cv and, yeah. and artists it was and then the gatekeeping part um yeah the, the web three opens that up to just so many different not just artists but anyone who was wanting to communicate or express themselves or build something mm-hmm. there's oh. there's not this middle person like there was in the Mm -hmm. web2 world it's it kind of opens it up to kind of everyone which is pretty exciting um
0: absolutely and especially because it's so tightly controlled and not in the artist's favor you know even the fact that galleries usually take 50% is a very average cut for an art sale and it's it's a really hard business to be in in the gallery business like their overheads are really high like a lot of galleries don't make that much money anyways like they also really struggle with their own business models it's quite cutthroat it is absolutely. And that's also why the, having this sort of like really professional CV of like, I've had solo shows at this renowned gallery and this gallery and I was in group shows in this amazing gallery, right? Like they look very specifically, if, especially if they want to include an artist in a, and have a solo show or have them as a resident artist or anything like that. They have to be very, very picky of like, okay, who is going to collect this artwork? What kind of sale history do they have? What is the average price of their work? Where did they study? Like, did they go just to like a random college to learn art? Did they study at all? Whereas, okay, they studied at one of the top fine art schools. And because these are all things that collectors in the traditional art world Mm -hmm. really, really care about.
1: Interesting.
0: Compared to collectors in the NFT world is an entirely different situation, right? Most collectors in the NFT world have typically come over from like finance and PFP projects and have slowly kind of gotten more interested in one of one art, especially with the market shifts and being tired of all like the 10K PFP project rugs and all the drama that goes with it and chasing whitelist and whatever. And then finding these kinds of communities where it is a lot more uplifting and wholesome and you can have really uplifting relationships with the different artists and you get to invest in a person in their career and there is a financial incentive sometimes behind it as well same when traditional art collecting where you you think that this artist actually has really potential to to grow their career and to make it and so it's a little bit of a longer term investment strategy versus like PFP flipping that happens within like Mm. (laughs) minutes or hours. Um, But it just means that the collector base within the NFT world is very different than in the traditional arts world. And there's different um, kind of priorities or different interests. And the collector base in the NFT world is also quite new, to it as well like it's it's not um firstly the ecosystem is really really young right and also a lot of the people in the ecosystem are quite young and they might not have had that much contact with art in the past they are only just now developing their own taste and understanding what it means to them compared to people that Collect fine art in the traditional world, they're usually 60, 70 plus. You need to have an astronomical amount of money. And <laughs> they're typically of the certain social strata where they're very cultured and very particular about their tastes and what that means to their friends, et cetera. Right. So we're dealing with very, very different worlds. People. Um, and I think the collector aspect is is particularly interesting, especially in the nft scene because it's such a an unusual aspect that hasn't been um really developed before and it's something mm. that people don't talk about that much so I find it especially I was gonna interesting. say
2: it's not being talked about much so when you're mm-hmm. sharing it it's very intriguing mm-hmm. yeah that definitely allowed a lot more people to start their art collection journey mm-hmm and, yeah, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. And Ooh. I've started to do this series of, of roundtables um, to really kind of dive into some of these topics. So the last roundtable was actually on collecting. So I got about 20 of the top collectors in the Solana ecosystem all together, and they all shared, well, not everybody shared, but um, we did short presentations. And, and they shared sort of how they feel about the general ecosystem and what can be done to improve it. And so having those kinds of open discussions, I think, is really beneficial as a as a larger that. kind of yeah, yeah. And it's and they're topics that people don't typically talk about so much, but I find her fascinating. So I I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to kind of do that sort of stuff.
2: Wait, where's well. that? You
0: hosted that? hmm Exactly. So it's a series. Sorry?
2: Was it a spaces? Was it a private call? What kind of format would um,
0: I've been doing them on Zoom, actually, so that you can see people's faces um, and you can do presentations as well. I love Twitter spaces, but it's a little bit limited um, and it's a little informal. So we're taking a little bit more of a research approach and people can do actual presentations as well. Some people do. And it's a series of roundtables and each roundtable has a different topic. So the first one I did was all about the creator communities. So we had the the leads or founders of a whole bunch of the different main Solana art communities and they give presentations about what their biggest challenges were and they what they think the general arts community ecosystem needs as well. Um, and then one on collectors. The next one is going to be on tooling. So different kinds of tools that creators need <laughs> and can benefit from and what's lacking. Um, and so it's kind of the idea is to sort of take a step back and and be a little bit more objective about the general space. And it's like, okay, well, what what is actually really going to benefit us? And what are our main challenges? Because if we don't recognize those challenges, we can't necessarily overcome them. So... Kind of taking that sort of approach, I think, is is really exciting.
2: Is that something um, accessible to the public? Do you have recordings? Mm-hmm. Can people join you on the Zoom?
0: Absolutely. Um, we do announce them through Super Team, and I send out lots of invites <laughs> uh, for people that are are interested. And and um, because it is Solana ecosystem focused, I assume that not everybody would be interested. Um, but they are public. Uh, The next one hasn't, the date hasn't been set quite yet, Um, but yeah, everybody's welcome to join the Zoom and to sit in. I usually book the um, who's going to present previously, so there's not always spots to present, and I usually am quite particular for each um, roundtable of like who is actually really um, an expert and really relevant for this topic. And so, um, but yeah, for for listening, everybody is welcome.
2: That's fair. Cool. Cool. I want to join one of those.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. There's another part I love about Web3 is like these sorts of things. Like, let's all come together. Let's brainstorm about a particular thing. Like that probably wouldn't happen as much, um, you know, outside of Web3. On your art, what medium do you primarily work in? And since entering web3 has your art changed at all like your creativity your style the mediums that you work in has that changed at all has that sparked anything
0: interesting question i'm typically a traditional artist i work in mostly with my my papers (laughs) (laughs) many many uh folders of papers i do um mostly um yeah paper-based a little bit of canvas um there's a lot of skulls in my life but I go through different phases of um realistic versus much more abstract and I feel like I had gone through a long phase of you know studying fine art and and it was really important that things look very figurative and it's more kind of focused on realism and in the last year or so I've been able to kind of really let myself be more experimental and kind of appreciate another side of my art that I kind of repressed because I didn't appreciate it as art in and of itself because it wasn't looking like something in particular and showing off you know the composition and the shading and the 3D whatever whatever and it's also allowed me to get really creative with um, how I distribute it and especially so uh, one of my themes that I've been playing with in the last year and a half is sort of like this fractionalization so basically, I don't know if I have many examples. Usually, I'm just like surrounded by art stuff. Typical um, artists. I, exactly. <laughs> um, but one example that's kind of interesting uh, at Breakpoint, I, I did um, ink paintings, and then I cut up the ink paintings. So I, I, before cutting it up, I scanned them. And so I had, I minted the high-res scans of the art pieces. And then I cut up the pieces of paper and I gave out the individual little segments of the, um, of the artwork. So everybody I met and kind of had a, had a connection to, like they would get a piece of that artwork basically. Um, Mm -hmm. and then more recently I've started that, but in a larger scale. So I have this, um, The series that I'm doing right now is knocking on my door, but I'm going to ignore them. (laughs) Um, I had a a three meter long canvas and I I did this big painting on it. And for the opening exhibition, I, I cut it up into 21 segments and then I high res scanned all of the segments and sort of it's the same or a similar sort of process of this destroying my own artwork and then connecting the different collectors that collect each piece. Um, One of the pieces I just did as an open free edition, actually, if you guys are interested, it's still available. Um, And so NFTs have kind of allowed me to play around with that kind of thing a little bit more, like distribution Mm -hmm. and uh, additions and destroying my artwork, but still having, having it exist, but not really. Um, so playing with these kinds of things, themes of impermanence are, are very near and dear to my heart because my art is mostly very based in my, my Buddhist background, I guess you could say.
1: Interesting. Interesting. That creativity, but how that's kind of sparked maybe something um, since like the last year or so is, is quite interesting, and the thing about exploring you mentioned distribution, I think one thing with Web three, well, blockchain, and the fact that it's kind of this immutable thing, it's 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 you know the, the ownership aspect, that creativity can be incorporated not just into a thing, but um could be incorporated over a longer period of time. Like how mm-hmm. you don't just create it, how do you distribute it? What happens mm-hmm. once someone has it? Like it's it kind of opens up the the possibilities of where you can be creative as well, which is quite um wow. interesting. Cause like if someone purchases mm-hmm. a piece of uh, um, you know, a painting or whatever, you don't you have little control around what happens after that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas on on the blockchain it's it's kind of uh yeah, you, there is some influence that you can have beyond the fact of someone purchasing it, if, if that makes uh-huh. sense. I'm a little Absolutely. bit tired, uh, but no, yeah, no, no. That's, quite a, it. that's quite interesting. Um, we, we are nearing the end of the podcast, but for those that want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Um, what pages, Twitter, you know?
0: Um, yeah, I am obviously active on Twitter mostly. Um, Dr. Ravel is typically where you can find me. Um, I think Twitter is Dr. underscore Ravel, R E V E L underscore NFT. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or Rebecca Ravel anywhere online. Uh, typically I'm not that hard to find, so um. <laughs> Also, we all of our um things through Super Team, Super Team DE on Twitter and NFT Club Berlin on Twitter too, for our different events or roundtables or anything like that.
1: Cool, cool, I'm just following you now. You've got one of your cool skulls as your as your profile picture. I see. Yes.
0: Yes, I do. That's actually I, I just saw that one too. Right. You?
1: The root of suffering is attachment. Ooh. Yes. Deep.
0: Deep. I um <laughs> yes. My life is very um guided by uh Buddhist principles. And uh I that is part of a big part of my my own um spiritual path, but also my artistic path, and they're very interlinked. So you'll you'll see you'll mm. <laughs> see a lot of that.
1: I feel like that would be an interesting podcast. Um topic as well, to be honest. Um, I'd be interested to see how that translates into a a digital world, um, those sorts of values and philosophies. Um, so maybe a future podcast for those that are interested in in Buddhism, um, for the closing question, it's kind of a, a fun one. Um, what you kind of talked about earlier, we're at the very early days, we're kind of laying the foundations, not just for web three art, but just like in general, Um, What excites you the most about the future of Web3 kind of art in particular?
0: Just the expansion of opportunities for Mm. artists throughout the whole world and for all of the artists that previously didn't have the opportunity to sell their work, you know, like 3D artists or generative artists or... Even animators, anybody that's digitally native, they previously didn't have the option to make a living off of their art unless they were doing some kind of side hustle or as a designer or something like that. So I think for me, the most exciting things are the opportunities it creates um, in terms of a little bit more financial stability for artists, but also the opportunities it creates in terms of creativity that the blockchain as a tool has opened up so many different avenues of creativity and is being in, in some senses used as its own kind of artistic medium, right? The way that people can change their metadata or add something or have collectors involved. Um, there's There's so much that has never been done before. And I think it's absolutely just so exciting to see how people are using it in really forward thinking and interesting ways and are sort of bringing the entire art ecosystem forward by allowing these new kinds of mediums and really thinking outside the box because we have this new technology and it's really our imagination is the limit well and the amount of depths we have but (laughs) (laughs) but typically you know like it it allows for such an entirely new area of creativity which i think is also really exciting